Welcome to Home Dance Film Festival, the podcast that brings a little bit of the Sundance Film Festival to you. We discuss two movies that played at Sundance along with one non-Sundance film, plus a few other fun things thrown in along the way. Today we're discussing The Father, Once, and Speed. I'm Jessica. And I'm Dylan. Before we get started, Jessica, I have a question for you. Hmm. So, as everyone and their mother was watching the finale of The Falcon and Winter Soldier, being us, we were the last two people to finally get caught up on WandaVision. So I wanted to know, what did you think of that limited run now that we've finished it? Uh, I really enjoyed it more than I thought I would, I guess, because I get a little bit burnt out on all of this superhero stuff all the time, and it's just constant. Yeah. I think I liked it because it was was not superhero-y. It was more of a drama, which I'm down for. Mm-hmm. And I like the style of it and what they're going for, like the TV show stuff and how it interweaved with Wanda's life and her past. That was clever. I really enjoyed it. I wish that could just continue. Yeah. I would love to see that. Just a domestic drama with Wanda and yeah. Vision. I want to see what's happening with her. I won't do spoilers, but yeah. I just want to know what's going on. I know she'll probably pop up in other things and you'll get to see pieces, but I want to see mostly just her and Vision. Yeah. I'm glad we finally got to get more of some insight into Wanda, since you really didn't get that much in the MCU films. You would just get kind of snippets, and I enjoyed Elizabeth in the films, but she's a great actress, so it was great to finally have a avenue for her to show how good she is at acting, even though I really wish they would have went even a little bit more into the grief, but I don't think most fans (laughs) were that interested in going that dark. Yeah, I wouldn't have my and I liked whenever they got really dark, especially on the first episode, I think it was. It's kind of lighthearted, and then it just suddenly gets really dark, and it's kind of uncomfortable, and you're like, whoa. Yeah. But I really liked it. You're a friend of darkness, so yeah. that makes sense. <laughs> I'm all dark and twisty. Yeah, and we love Catherine Hahn, so mm-hmm. it was, she was a lot of fun in the show. What's on your mind? Well, Jessica, I appreciate you asking. I wanted to put in a quick plug for the Netflix show Babylon Berlin. I recently got caught up with the third season because I was reviewing the Blu-ray that's out from Kino Lorber. And I freaking love this show. For those who don't know, it's a German neo-noir television series that was co-created by Tom Twyker, who did Run Lola Run back in the 90s. That's on my list to watch. Yeah. So it takes place in Berlin. Berlin in 1929 during the waning years of the Weimar Republic. During the first season or two, you kind of get a little bit of bubbling undercurrent of Nazi uprising, but it's not the focus that more so builds throughout the third season. Mostly the story is about a detective who has just been assigned to Berlin on a secret mission. His kind of unlikely friendship with this young flapper girl who has aspirations to be the first female police detective. Nice. Yeah, so... (laughs) It's a really cool series. It's the most expensive German series that's ever been produced, but it's very lavish and fun. The stock market hasn't crashed just yet, so everyone's living high on that flapper life. Every episode at the end, you feel that rush that you get with a great series where you you have to continue because they leave you on a note where you have to know what happens next because it's so intricately plotted and well-constructed and you really get invested in the characters. I think that's what we in the biz call a cliffhanger. Huh. Is that what that's called? <laughs> it's good. <laughs> Big good. <laughs> Wow. Excuse the technical jargon. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. We're professionals. 
but it is fantastic. Yes, it's subtitled for those lazy people who still don't like subtitles in 2021. <laughs> who are you people? It is great. It's one of the best shows that I've seen in recent years. As I said, it's on Netflix. It's just wonderful. Give it at least two episodes. If you're not hooked by the end of the second episode, maybe it's not for you, but it is great. You know what? I think I'm just going to go for it. I have a plug too. Okay. Uh, Girls 5 Eva is premiering on May 6th, and I am super, super excited. I'm mostly excited because Tina Fey is the creator, which is awesome, but it has Busy Phillips and Sarah Bareilles. I'm very excited to see her in her first acting role on television because she's only done Broadway with Waitress. So I am stoked. And it's going to be on Peacock. Yes, I wish it were a better streaming platform, but whatever, as long as I get to watch it. Oh, it's about a 90s girl group who is suddenly getting their chance at fame and popularity again whenever some current artist uses their song, I think. So it's going to be awesome. And the inside scoop, Busy does pole dancing, which is going to be great. Like legit does it. She learned it because she talked about it on her podcast. So that's all you need. Yeah. (laughs) And apologies to all of our probably hundreds of Peacock employees who listen to the show. (laughs) We don't mean to diminish your service. I'm sorry. I just don't want commercials. It's annoying. And we're too cheap to pay for (laughs) commercial free. Girls 5 Eva, watch it so we can get more seasons. Please. Even if it's bad, they'll get better. Parks and Rec wasn't even that good its first season. (laughs) You bite your tongue. Okay, so I think it's time because Shakira is breathing down my neck and I just want to dance. Shall we Sundance? Whoa. I think we shall. I'd like you to meet Laura. How do you do, sir? I say you're gorgeous. Thank you. (laughs) I must say he's charming. Yeah, not always. Laura has come round to help you. I don't need her or anyone else. I can manage very well on my own. Everything all right? Who are you? Actually, it's me, Paul. Who? I live here. What is this nonsense? Anne? It's me. Ah, there she is. Your father seemed a bit confused. Something wrong? Where's Anne? Sorry? Ma'am, where is he? I'm here. The Father had its world premiere at Sundance in 2020. It was written by Christopher Hampton and Florian Zeller, and it was directed by Florian Zeller. It stars Anthony Hopkins, Olivia Coleman, Mark Gaddis, Imogen Poots, Rufus Sewell, and Olivia Williams. Anthony is 80 and living defiantly alone, rejecting the cares that his daughter Anne encouragingly introduces, yet help is also becoming a necessity for Anne. She can't make daily visits anymore, and Anthony's grip on reality is unraveling. As we experience the ebb and flow of his memory, how much of his own identity and past can Anthony cling to. Does this movie live up to the hype? I think it does. I think it was really good, and Anthony's performance was pretty great. I think he was well-deserving of the Oscar, and... There aren't a ton of movies that I've seen like this where it's so in the mind of someone who's going through this. Usually with Alzheimer's and dementia, it's kind of outside. So you're left with Anthony's perspective and point of view. So he's an unreliable narrator, which is interesting. And then it really leaves you disoriented just like he is because his brain is grasping onto all of these pieces that he does remember and is trying to put it together to make sense because that's what our brain does, which is pretty cool because it keeps us alive. 
like whenever you're in your dark room at your house and you see all the stuff in the daytime and you know it and then whenever it's dark you see something but you can't quite see it but your brain fills in the rest yeah which is pretty awesome i really like that aspect of it how disorienting it is because it makes it more interesting and it's heartbreaking as well and all the performances were really great yeah i would almost describe this as the best horror movie of (laughs) the year so far whenever i went into this movie i knew it was based on a play and i had heard all the hype i knew that anthony was supposed to be amazing but i still didn't have the highest expectations just because movies about alzheimer's and similar subjects they can be hit or miss and just not really hit me as hard as i want them to the way this film used the subject matter to its advantage in the filmmaking like you said it makes you disoriented and leaves you questioning what is actually happening and it slowly introduces you to his world since it's from his point of view and it's almost entirely in his flat. Mm -hmm. The first scene with Olivia Coleman, if you don't know what the movie's about going into it, it just gradually unveils Mm -hmm. that not everything is quite right in Anthony's mind and that is his character's name. Yeah. (laughs) It's an interesting choice by Florian Zeller to probably manipulate audiences' emotions just saying, I want Anthony Hopkins to be okay. Please don't let him lose his mind ever. And his performance is so good that it's believable. <laughs> You're yeah. like, the way it slowly uses production design and editing techniques to keep you off balance about what is actually happening. The moment whenever Olivia Coleman plays his actual daughter, as far as we know. Yeah. <laughs> and But then a few, like a scene later, his quote unquote daughter comes in and she's played by Olivia Williams. Mm-hmm. And that's your first sign of, whoa, okay, this movie is going some interesting directions and really showing how disoriented it is for someone who is gradually losing their mind to Alzheimer's and how much it impacts them. It almost has like a Christopher Nolan feel because it manipulates time a lot Mm -hmm. because you think you're past something but you're not. It's just because his brain is trying to piece it all together so it's at his tempo. There's a moment where Anthony realizes he's been in his clothes all day and that's suddenly nighttime and Mm -hmm. you can feel kind of the embarrassment that's radiating off him but he's also angry and tries to quote-unquote save face and not let on that he's not quite sure what's going on yeah he does that a lot too it is really heartbreaking it's also heartbreaking for olivia's character olivia coleman Mm -hmm. because he's so frustrating and he seems to be cruel to her at points i know that he doesn't mean to but he's just lashing out and then he seems to be kind of obsessed with seeing his other daughter over her and he's like yeah here she is so it's heartbreaking i wish my other daughter was here basically yeah and he says that while olivia's in the room it's uh... olivia coleman's not given a lot of big crying scenes or anything but her acting is so subtle and effective that your heart breaks for her i think this movie does a good job of both showing the pain of losing one's mind but also the pain of living with someone and dealing with someone who's losing their minds i've been around people who are in this situation and it is very heartbreaking but even if you aren't it will make you fear of facing the situation yeah every time i watch movies that involve alzheimer's i always start thinking about my future and i get really freaked out because just the thought of being trapped in your own mind but you can't control it and it's just kind of almost disintegrating Mm -hmm. without your say so it's betraying you that's terrifying and you don't know who you are or where you are or when you are yeah as we've discussed off air my memory is already very poor (laughs) so just the 
idea of that heightening is rough. Yeah. Not to scare off anyone who hasn't watched this movie because <laughs> it is very quote unquote entertaining, yeah. but it's compelling. Yeah, it's very well made and it's a just over 90 minute runtime. Yeah. So it's not a two and a half hour slog. It's very rapidly paced and yeah. I, you won't get bored. It'll still crush your soul, yeah. but at a quicker pace. <laughs> yeah. And it's to its advantage because the editing is the story and the way this film uses production design to slowly let you in on what Anthony is feeling and experiencing, how like the tile will change mm-hmm. colors and pictures will disappear. Yeah. It's thrilling, honestly. Yeah. Now I understand the nomination for production design because I was just like, um, okay. <laughs> I didn't know. And then like editing too. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I get why it's nominated. I think the two awards it won for the adapted screenplay and best actor are deserved. Anthony, this is probably one of his greatest roles. Yeah. As everyone has said. Yeah. And in terms of the screenplay, whenever I compare it to other stage adaptations that we've experienced in the last year, I feel this is the one that's most cinematic and uses the form to the fullest extent, and I feel that the performances were not stagey or actorly. as they're very fluid. Yeah, so that's why this movie surpassed my expectations, because I just didn't have high hopes, but... Things usually get hyped up too much, in my opinion. But this is one that did not. It's not overhyped or overrated. Oh, good for you! And how was it? On that note, Jessica, hit me with that rating system. My rating system is wristwatches. Nice. And I would give this movie four and a half wristwatches out of five. Same Z's. <laughs> four and a half wristwatches out of five. If you want to see, if you appreciate this movie as much as we do, the movie is currently available on digital and in select theaters with the projected Blu-ray release date of May 18th. Do you want to stay? So. I have to go now. Stay the night. You ever want something? And you call. call. Come on, give us the keys. <laughs> Put it in myself. I, I spoke to my husband last night. He's coming over. We'll try to make it work. Come on, wait till London with me. Can I bring my mother? Once played at Sundance in 2007, where it received the Audience Award in World Cinema. It was written and directed by John Carney, and it stars Marketa Urglova, Glenn Hansard, Hugh Walsh, and Gerard Hendrick. A vacuum repairman moonlights as a street musician and hopes for his big break. One day, a Czech immigrant who earns a living selling flowers approaches him with news that she is also an aspiring singer-songwriter. The pair decide to collaborate, and the story of their eventful week in Dublin as they write, rehearse, and record songs that tell their love story begins to unfold. So I guess I'll give you some quick facts. This was a 17-day shoot, and their budget was $150,000, and they made over $23 million, so that's pretty good. And this spawned a successful Broadway show, but I don't think that I would be interested in seeing it because I don't feel like it would be great. <laughs> but people liked it, but I just feel like the magic and charm is the movie. <laughs> it won Tonys. Yeah, I don't know if I would be thrilled to see it, which is why I never saw it. And it won an Oscar for the best original song, which was Falling Slowly. The role that Glenn Hansard plays was originally offered to Killian Murphy, but he declined, so that would have been a much different movie. 
So those are my facts. Fun facts. <laughs> Fun facts. I remember first watching this, I had high expectations because I was really excited about it and it looked really good. And I saw it four or five years after it came out and it let me down a little bit because I wanted a little bit more. So definitely helps on this rewatch, <laughs> just knowing what to expect. But I think it's nice and it's sweet. I think it has a certain charm, which is good. It's kind of more like a long music video, but I like music videos, so that's fine with me because the star really, I think, is the music. Music. Their romance, it's not, I don't know, passionate, whatever, but I think the music kind of overshadows their whole thing. But that's fine because I really love that music. Yeah. <laughs> I'm more excited about the band that it spawned, The Swell Season, than the movie, but I'll watch this movie again. Yeah, I watched this movie shortly after it came to DVD because I was very excited to see it. I loved it until the end, and then I kind of was left with disappointment, which I don't like to grapple with. Yeah. This would be my third viewing, and I found, apparently with age, that I appreciate the ending more. Of course, because (laughs) maturity and wisdom. And just because I don't get what I want doesn't mean I don't get what I need. (laughs) And you're less angsty. True. You're a teen whenever you saw this. I do really enjoy the movie. I guess I can agree with your assessment that it does kind of act like a extended music video. Mm. Because as I was watching it this time, I was like, oh, that's interesting. There's long, long takes of people walking (laughs) or doing stuff and singing or the music just playing over what's happening. Yeah. But as you said, the music (laughs) is so great that it didn't really bother me. It's totally cool. I was still more invested in their relationship than you are. Just because I want everyone to be together. I think it's sweet. I enjoy that their time together. I enjoy their rapport, but I might just be projecting what I feel from their interactions as a band and just knowing who they are as people. Yeah, that chemistry that they have as a band wasn't quite there yet Mm -hmm. in full force. So those coming to this movie without a great love for the band might not be hit as hard as us. It's still a nice movie, and I think it'll make you interested in checking out the band if you like this type of music. And with it being like a longer music video... I used to just watch hours and hours of music videos, so this is, like, perfect. I like, this is great cinema. (laughs) There's a scene where Marquetta has to go get batteries, and then she's just walking back and just singing along as if it's a music video. Yeah, it reminds me of, uh oh, everyone, get your shots ready, it's Beatles alert. Uh It reminds me in A Hard Day's Night whenever Ringo goes off on his own, and he's just, like, wandering around and taking pictures. Yeah. (laughs) That's something Ringo would do, though. Yeah. And if you like seeing shots of Ireland and the city and everything, that's it's really cool. One thing as a fan of the band that I appreciate about this movie is I've seen the band in concert twice, and you've seen them once. Yeah. And Glenn, he's a very strong personality. He's very funny. He tells a lot of very funny jokes in between songs, which he gets to show off some of that humor here. But Marquetta is more so, at least in person, just kind of a wallflower and has... yeah she observes more yes but you get to see her kind of be feisty and yeah I like strong her, her this... little remarks like whenever she first encountered him he seemed very annoyed by her and then she just keeps going and brings up the vacuum and everything and then later drags the vacuum to meet him yeah I love how she like you said drags the vacuum cleaner <laughs> all throughout the city yeah. all day it's one of the ones that it's just like the rolling one with the big tube on it so mm-hmm. it's not like a handle vacuum (laughs) so it makes it even better so it's like a dog yeah and then people are just watching her and she's like whatever we can go get coffee I'll just put my vacuum over here 
in. <laughs> this is my Hoover. Yeah. The best, I think, public-facing Marquetta's ever been. And I like how she kind of beats down the recording producer whenever they're bargaining for the price of the recording studio. And she's like, no, $1,500. And they're like, no, $3,000. And she's like, I will not do a penny over $1,750. I like Marquetta. So she's really great in this. Yeah. Whenever he invites her to come over and she's just saying, no, that would just be hanky-panky. We don't, yeah. I'm not going to do that. And he's like, no, I just... What? And he's like, no, hanky panky. <laughs> so I enjoy that aspect of it. There's one part where it might enhance someone else's viewing more if they knew this. Uh, whenever they go for the ride on the motorcycle, and oh, yeah. he asked her, How do you say, Who do you love in Czech? Mm-hmm. I think. And she told him, and then he asked her in Czech, Who do you love? And then she answered, and he was like, What did you say? She said, No, I love you in Czech. Oh. And she had that smirk on her face, and he's like, hey, What did you say, though? And then she's like, ah. And they just walk on. Yeah, I was wondering what she said. So that's nice. Yeah, it's really precious. (laughs) On a personal note, Marquetta always reminds me of Jenna Fisher because I think that they kind of look similar. So Mm -hmm. I have them intertwined in my mind. So it makes me have an even softer spot for Marquetta because I love them both. So I get warm fuzzies whenever I see Marquetta or Jenna. I follow Marquetta on Facebook. Mm -hmm. So whenever I see her post, it always makes me smile. I really love their dynamic, both on screen and off. And this isn't a typical, love story because they both enhance each other's lives but it's not supposed to be completely romantic there's romance to them but what he brings to her life and allowing her to just by virtue of asking her to write lyrics for some of his music it kind of brings out something more in her and yeah and in him yeah it enhances both of them i think it helps them both grow and it's more of a kind of a whirlwind love story that lasts for a couple of days but it's more complex complicated and it's not easy because Mm -hmm. they both have complicated lives and different things going on so they can't just throw everything else aside and run away together. I've seen a lot of reviews where people don't like it because they think it's boring and the ending really it throws them off and they hate it so I can see where it can be divisive I guess but if you just enjoy the journey and the music I think you'll like it. One interesting thing about the music in terms of my rewatch I've listened to these songs countless times Mm -hmm. I own the soundtrack and all of their music And even still, I've heard Falling Slowly a million times, but watching them in the piano store doing that song for the first time, I still got chills. And I was like, oh, good. I can still feel. Yeah, (laughs) I'm still alive. That's whenever he was still kind of annoyed by her. Mm -hmm. And he's just like, okay, whatever. And then she starts playing and then you just see the look on his face and he lights up and he's so entranced and he's amazed. You can see him pretty much fall in love with her right there. Yeah. It makes me think of The Last Man on Earth. (laughs) <laughs> they kept singing this song over oh, yeah. and over. God, I love that shit. <laughs> I can not hear that and think about that now. You have suffered enough and warred with yourselves. Now, at least they're not fighting anymore. But they could not fight somewhere else. They've sang this song like six times. The movie! It's called Once! Take this sinking boat and point it home. We've still got time. If anyone hasn't seen Will Forte's The Last Man on Earth, watch it. Hey, bud. 
little farts. <laughs> One slight criticism I have with the movie is, since it is basically an extended music video, there's a point near the end after they're done with their recording session and they've just recorded this one song called When Your Mind's Made Up. The producer's like, oh, you guys have some talent, basically. Mm-hmm. But then afterwards, they go on a... The car test. <laughs> yeah, like, does the music still sound good whenever it's played in a car? Mm-hmm. And there's like, a whole montage. But then they just play that song again. <laughs> and I was like, we just heard this song literally five minutes ago in full, and then yeah. they do it again. I was thinking, couldn't they just play a different song that wasn't just played? Because it seems really close back to back. They play that song at least three times in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even one of their best. No. Like, it's good, but mm-hmm. they have better ones. For that specific montage, I think they could have chosen a different <laughs> song out of their multitude of songs they have available to them. That's just my slight criticism upon a rewatch. I saw some other criticisms where some people were saying this movie is basically the same songs over and over because they're like, the music isn't even that great. It's just the same songs over and over, but with different lyrics. I just don't agree because they have different structures. They have the same style because that's their style, but mm-hmm. there's different chord progressions and structures and I think it's different. Yeah. And then especially the songs, there's a couple songs that Marquetta gets to do on her own, especially The Hill, mm-hmm. whenever she goes into the studio, the kind of abandoned studio room and plays the piano. It's such a gorgeous song. Yeah. And if you listen to all of their stuff outside of the movie, it's varied. Mm-hmm. It's not just the same stuff over and over. So these people need to check their hearing. You know what yeah. I'm saying? <laughs> I want to give a shout out to some of the really amusing moments in the movie because it's not just a straight music drama. There's some really funny stuff. The opening scene where there's the guy who's kind of drunk... while Glenn is busking on the street and Glenn's saying, don't do it. Don't steal from me. And the guy's like, no, man, I'm just here. I'm just loving the music. And he's kind of stumbling around. He's like, look, I'll give you some money. And then Glenn's like, okay, just don't do it. Don't do it. He's like, no, no, I'm not going to do it, man. And then he snatches it and runs and then a chase ensues. Yeah, that made me laugh a lot. But then in the end, there's a contrite hug. He's like, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. And he even helps him pick up the money, which I thought he was just going to pick it up and take off again. But he's like, I'm sorry, man. I lost my head. I don't know what I was doing. So I appreciate the little stabs of humor that they pepper in that liven up the movie. In terms of John Carney's movies, this isn't my favorite. My favorite is probably Sing Street. I love that John makes movies that deal with music so specifically. If it's a movie that involves music, I'm down. My girl rocks, my girl is not rock. Dylan, what is that rating system? Well, Jessica, the rating system I came up with is Drunken Apology Hug <laughs> for the gentleman that we were just discussing. So I would give this four out of five drunken apology hugs because I do really like this movie probably even more now and I love the way the music just propels the story forward. I think I might actually give this three and a half drunken apology hugs out of five. It just feels better for me. (laughs) If you want to see how you feel about the movie, the film is currently available to stream on HBO Max and it's available on Blu-ray through Fox. All right, gentlemen, what we have here are 13 passengers in an express elevator. Bomb's already taken out cables. Bomber wants $3 million or he blows the emergency brakes. Anything else that'll keep this elevator from falling? Uh, the basement. He can strike anywhere. At any time. Will the mystery guest please sign in? Why are they messing with me? Do they think I'm doing this for fun? 
for L.A. cop Jack Traven. Tell me again, Harry. Why did I take this job? Oh, come on, 30 more years of this, you get a tiny pension and a cheap gold watch. Cool. The game began. Very exciting, Jack. Some close calls, huh? When someone put the city of Los Angeles to the ultimate test. Pop quiz, hot shot. There's a bomb on a bus. Once the bus goes 50 miles an hour, the bomb is armed. If it drops below 50, it blows up. What do you do? What do you do? Now. Speed was released on June 10th, 1994 by 20th Century Fox, where it grossed $350 million worldwide off a $30 million production budget. The film was directed by Jan DeBont in his feature directorial debut and was written by Graham Yost. It stars Keanu Reeves, Dennis Hopper, Sandra Bullock, Joe Morton, and Jeff Daniels. When young LAPD SWAT officer Jack Traven angers rogue madman Howard Payne by foiling his attempt at taking hostages stuck in an elevator with a bomb, Payne, in retaliation, arms a bus with the bomb that will explode if it drops below 50 miles per hour. With the help of a passenger named Annie, Jack and his partner detective Harry Temple try to save people on the bus before the bomb goes off, while also trying to figure out how to locate pain. Surprisingly, I had never seen Speed up until this very weekend. And you know what, Jessica? What? I really loved it. It was a way better action movie than I ever expected it to be. I could see you bouncing around in your seat over there, getting real hyped. Okay, listen up. Look, listen. I'm about to spill the tea. (laughs) Spill the tea, honey. (laughs) Everyone talks about how Mad Max Fury Road is pretty much a nonstop action ride from beginning to end. Mm -hmm. But this is also, I feel, a nonstop action ride from beginning to end. It starts with a very thrilling elevator scene that you did not seem to be paying attention to very much. Okay, let me just, let me jump in right here. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, it drops you right in the middle of the action. It's nonstop action, as Mm -hmm. you said. But I gotta say, I'm bored through the first part of the movie. Once they get on the bus, I'm good. Jessica, <laughs> there was a lady who was very nearly sliced in half I know, by a falling elevator. That's great. It was thrilling. <laughs> that's great. But I don't know. I didn't find it interesting. I didn't really care. I just want to get to the bus. Okay. Well, you have about probably seven minutes of downtime to yeah. establish the day before. Boom. Bomb on a bus. Yeah. This movie freaking moves. I mean, honestly, because because they're on a bus. They, ha- they cannot drop below 50 miles per hour. Just the sheer amount of destruction that this <laughs> movie offers up. Yeah. Sure, the characterization isn't the best. I was invested enough because I like Keanu and Sandy mm-hmm. that I wanted them to be okay. Yeah. But just the bus smashing through cars downtown and people leaping from cars to buses yeah. and then making crazy turns that you know they're gonna make everyone this was before fast and the furious this was before that they were already doing these things this bust was fast and furious wow wow cinema And sure, there are ridiculous moments, such as the (laughs) bridge bus jumping sequence. One thing you have to applaud them for is they mostly did that effect practically. They enhanced it with digital stuff in the edit, but they actually... Flung a bus across a bridge. Yeah, they launched a bus into the air. I was watching the special feature. (laughs) Those people were wild. They got the money. I don't know. This was back before CGI was the only thing you pretty much used in special effects. This is why Mad Max was so thrilling to people because they actually blew up vehicles and did things practically. 
Oh, what a day. What a lovely day. I want to see my vehicles really blow up. I don't want any wimpy ass CGI. <laughs> I want my shit bugged, okay? I want real flames. I want those actors running through real flames. <laughs> I want a real person on the top of a vehicle playing a guitar. <laughs> I want it all. Uh, that was great. Okay, I'll gush on this movie more in a little bit. Jessica, what do you think of this movie? I know you don't like it as much as me. Just tell me, though. Um, I thought it was fine. It's fun. It's entertaining. I didn't love it. Mm-hmm. Once they get to the bus, I just want to know what's going to happen in this bus. Like, how are they going to figure this out? I just like the puzzle aspect. That's all I want to know. The other stuff with characters and everything, it's not enough Sandy for me. But also, what are they going to have her do whenever she's just driving a bus? So it's not like they can have her chatting up the whole bus or just juggling down the aisle or something. Excuse so. me, ma'am. I'm trying to defuse a bomb. But yeah. Let me let me ask you something. So it's not like you can really get all of the Sandy charm that I love. Mm-hmm. So I needed more Sandy, but it wasn't possible with what they had set up. It's mostly just Keanu. But I also love Keanu. Just not enough Sandy for me. What are you going to do? Yeah. And she's the only one that returns for the sequel that everyone hates. <laughs> yeah. So maybe you get more there. Yeah. I already knew that they were going to get together in the end because it's been around forever and it just felt shoehorned in. And it's just because the action hero has to get his girl. I didn't need it. Yeah. If they weren't together as a couple, that'd be fun. If they had left it at the line where she says that couples who bond over <laughs> tragedies or whatever, yeah. or intense moments don't last. Yeah. Just, okay, yeah, that's a good note to end on. They're like, no, we're still doing it. I understand that they have to because test audiences probably would flip out if they didn't. There's a girl on screen. Kiss her. Yeah. <laughs> You're an action hero. You just won. You saved everyone. You deserve kisses. <laughs> Heroes deserve kisses. <laughs> hashtag kisses for Keanu. Get it trending. <laughs> At Home Dance Pod, hashtag kisses for Keanu. Keanu deserves those kisses. What did you think of Dennis Hopper as the villain? <laughs> he was wild. He was a bug-eyed <laughs> wild dude. Yeah, he was totally bugging. Mm-hmm. He was really intent on messing up those people's day. Yeah. <laughs> and he really delighted in it. Every time that he made something go wrong for them he was very pleased with himself yeah i'm not a connoisseur of 80s and 90s action movies i've seen my fair share from what i remember he seems to be one of the better villains since (laughs) die hard and alan rickman hans gruber yeah hans because he has his iconic pop quiz hot shot yeah (laughs) i really enjoyed dennis hopper in this role he was deliciously villainous I've been giving a lot of shout outs, a lot of props this episode (laughs) to my man Keanu because he was actually jumping from cars to buses and he was actually the one underneath the bus on that little rolly platform. That seems like him. He learned Kung Fu for the Matrix, I think, and then he learned a bunch of stuff for John Wick. So yes, that tracks. Well, I mean, he had it injected into his head. So that's that's how he did Kung Fu. It's just stuck since then. I know Kung Fu. (laughs) Excuse me, I forgot that we are in the Matrix, so... Yeah. Sorry. Get it right. Get it tight. (laughs) Cannot wait for Matrix 4, where they'll probably continue (laughs) to ruin the franchise. Yeah, and he'll actually throw himself off of buildings. (laughs) So, I was here for this movie. I did not expect to love this as much as I did. It was a ton of fun. If you even like action movies in the slightest, and you love destruction, (laughs) this is one of the better ones. Oh, one thing I wanted to mention is... 
The writer, Graham Yost, he created, in my opinion, one of the best TV shows of the 2000s, Justified. Mm -hmm. And I saw that he got the inspiration for this movie from his father, who had messed up a plot description of this 1985 movie called Runaway Train, which I actually watched earlier this year and for some reason did not put the two together. But that's just a runaway train. A runaway train never going back wrong way on a one-way track. The great song by Soul Asylum. Yes. <laughs> Those 90s, they kill in it. <laughs> yes, I agree that if you are a fan of action movies, you should probably watch this one. And even if I don't love it, it is fun. Once they get on the bus, like I said, because I just want to know what happened. I also think that Keanu's hair looked pretty good because usually I'm used to the buzz cut in The Matrix, which did not look good because I think it's supposed to be kind of shabby looking, but it was a little bit longer. It looked pretty good. It was surprising. So did Sandy's. Sandy's hair looked good. Classic 90s hair. Yeah, but it looked good. Yeah. And this gave Sandy a bigger platform for audiences to start to understand how great she is. That's true. There are a lot of crazy people on that bus acting out because they're afraid. It was weird. Lady from the Mindy project yeah and then ferris bueller's day off his friend alan ruck it's just wow you have a thing for getting into trouble with high speed cars <laughs> true <laughs> some of the things that the people did it's like whoa yeah they were very much caricatures very broad personalities <laughs> yeah. you have to have a frantic lady who's really afraid and she won't listen to anybody and a, a gangbanger who thinks that keanu's there to yeah. arrest him you gotta have a hothead and a beefy guy. Gentle giant. Yeah. And then you gotta have a smart alecky guy, which was the Ferris Bueller's dude. Which I was just waiting for them to reveal that he says he's a tourist. Me too. And I thought they were gonna say like, oh, I'm just a skeezy LA guy who pretends I'm a tourist and tries to ride the bus to pick up women. I thought that they were going to reveal that he was the person who put the bomb on there and he's working with them and he was just gonna be like, I'm a scootsy on out and then just get lifted up by some helicopter and be like, see you later, suckers. We were in very different places with that. Yeah, I just got that vibe that maybe he would just be like joking and laughing yeah. with them and then suddenly he's like, but I put the bomb here. <laughs> and then he just kind of tucks and rolls and goes away. I have to admit, for this being a directorial debut, I thought it was very well made. And the fact that this guy would go on for his next feature to do the classic Twister. Oh, that makes sense. It's a good step up. After that, precipitous decline in quality. Didn't do much of note, but these two one-two punches, chef's kiss. Art. <laughs> the highest art. That's high praise. <laughs> Pop quiz, hot shot. What's that rating system? Interesting you say that because my rating system is pop quizzes. I thought that might be the case. And I would give this four out of five pop quizzes. Oh, okay. What do you got? My rating system is very literal and it is high speed buses. Okay. And I will give this three high speed buses out of five. To see if you think this is the action masterpiece that I believe this to be. <laughs> the film is currently available to stream on HBO Max, but I think more importantly, as we saw it, a brand new 4K disc just came out from Disney slash 20th Century Studios and it looks and sounds great and I would highly recommend it for anyone who likes the movie. Thank 
you for joining us for this episode of Home Dance Film Festival. Join us again next week when we will be discussing 2021's Monster starring Kelvin Harrison Jr. and 2013's Austin Land starring Carrie Russell, plus a wild card that you will have to wait to hear about. For those who want to prepare at home, Monster just debuted on Netflix and Austin Land is available to stream on Stars as of this recording. If you have any thoughts or opinions about the movies we discussed today or movie suggestions, you can write us at homedancepod at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter and tweet at us at homedancepod. If you feel so inclined, feel free to leave a rating or review. It helps us out. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at DylanGonzalez2. You can also find me publishing reviews almost daily on geekvibesnation.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at Jessica Narrates. You can also find me contributing to geekvibesnation.com. We are proud to be a part of the Geek Vibes Nation podcasting network. Original music for the show is provided by Andrew Carroll, who can be found at musicbyandrewcarroll.com. Original artwork for the show is provided by Ben Belcher, who can be found on Instagram at the art of Ben Belcher. I've been Dylan. And I've been Jessica. Just take the sinking boat and point it home. We still got time. Right, bud? Full of parts. Bye. Bye. Cheese.